Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you on the program. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the radio show a gentleman who came in studio on Friday for an emergency hit. And he wants another one. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jeremy Rutherford. Morning, Jeremy. Timmy, Timmy, how you doing, buddy? I'm wonderful. How are you doing, brother? Good, good. Jackson's making weird faces, and I don't like it, and it's distracting. What's going on with you? I'm fighting off a sneeze. I'm trying not to sneeze. Jackson's always making weird faces. It's news that he makes a normal face. Nice. Sharp shooting. I'm just trying to focus on not sneezing. Apologies. Yeah, he's really Please continue on with what really you done in this. Uh, JR, the Barbashev move, thoughts. I see it's getting positive reviews from your cohorts on The Athletic. From the blue, st- from yeah, the blue sure standpoint... Does. Yeah, sure does look like it. First of all, gosh, these trades can go down any time, right? It could be uh, late Friday night like yep. O'Reilly, or it could be when you're pouring your Cheerios on a Sunday morning <laughs> with uh, with Ivan Barbashev. But another good one for Doug Armstrong and the Blues as he continues uh, this uh, trade haul. I added it up yesterday, Tim. Uh, first round pick in 2023, a first round pick, a conditional, a second in 24, a third in 23, a fourth in 24. And you get a player like Zach Dean yesterday in, in the deal for Barbashev. And, you know, I don't claim to uh, have watched this player before or know much about him. So I lean on what Corey Pronman, our guru, uh, our prospect guru at The Athletic, says. And uh, they really like him. He, he's a guy who played on Team Canada and was a top nine player in that group of forwards for Team Canada that won gold. And uh, what I was told was that he was taken to be on the team ahead of Zach Bolduc. So a lot of positive thoughts about Zach Bolduc at that Blues prospect. And here's a guy, Zach Dean, who was a Vegas prospect who was select, selected ahead of uh, Bull Duke. So should be a couple good forwards uh, coming into the system with those two guys in the future. So good trade for the Blues. I, uh, I posed this question to you when you were in studio with us on Friday, and I'm going to now circle back now that we've heard uh, more from Robert Thomas, uh, Kairou, Craig Berube, in response to the Thursday night postgame situation, as we'll call it, along with Doug Armstrong. And uh, I wanted to get your perspective. Do you still think that it is less likely uh, that the Blues make a surprise move between now and the trade deadline or anything over the weekend to give you indication that they may not be done? I, I continue to get a, over the weekend some indication that they may not be done, and that doesn't mean that unequivocally they will make a trade before uh, the deadline, March 3rd, coming up here very soon. But all indications are there. There still could be a move with that defense. I know when I talked to you last, I was thinking – uh, that that potentially, if it's done, could uh, be held off until the summer. Uh, but it sounds like the Blues are, are still intent on moving the defensemen, and the one that we continue to point to is uh, Colton Pareko. Uh, but 
you look at that situation, seven years left on the deal, how many teams out there are interested. We had heard uh, Ottawa through that report from Frank Sarafelli, but uh, Ottawa going through an ownership change, are they going to be able to get the okay on seven years as they go through that ownership transition? We don't know. Uh, but some interest in Colton Preco, and, and it, it's my belief that uh, the Blues would have interest in moving them, trying to make it happen before the March 3rd deadline, but if not, uh, in the summer. You know we like arbitrary percentages on this show, and uh, <laughs> and therefore I'm obligated to ask you what uh, percentage you would put at the chance of Colton Preco being moved before March Yeah, 3rd. I was waiting for the percentage. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm focused on this guy across from me fighting off a sneeze, but I still didn't lose sight of the, <laughs> the greater goal. I overcame it. Yeah, you, you need that uh, plastic up during COVID. Like you need that plastic in between. Yeah, you sneeze and, uh, guard. And Jack. <laughs> yeah, like at the Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually just trying to delay to come up with a percentage. Right, here, I respect so, that. Uh, crack a joke there. <laughs> uh, you know, before March 3rd, gosh, I mean, you'd, you'd have to go pretty low, right? Like I'd have to say 30% for something Well, I think like a that. lot of people would be happy to hear one out of three. I think they yeah, take that. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, maybe I'm even guessing too high, 30%. But I'd say with the type of deal that you're talking about there, and here's the thing with the deal. Let's just use Colton Preco as an example here. Uh, you know, if you're Doug Armstrong, do you want something in return? Because I talked to a colleague, uh, Ian Mendez in, in Ottawa, and he said if the Blues were to trade Preco to Ottawa, are they trying to get something back? Are they trying to get – uh, a top prospect or top draft pick back, or are they just trying to unload that contract at seven years? And, you know, I said, I got to believe that Doug would be trying to get something back. Like, I don't think he's going to move Colton Preco for a fifth round draft pick just to, uh, just to move the contract. But you never know. Like if it's a situation where he just wants to, to move on from the player and get this thing looking differently next year in terms of the roster, you know, perhaps he would, but uh, you know, like, like I said, heard over the weekend that the blues are still, intent on trying to make something happen on that front there it is that's the one that i know a lot of blues fans are anxious to see here over the next handful of days between now and the trade deadline what did you think of what the sharks and the devils wound up doing yeah how about that so uh team of meyer does go to the new jersey devils probably the biggest uh, deal so far and uh, he's going to help that team that's really you know turned it on i think everybody thought that they would take a couple more years uh, before they were going to be contenders, but that happened sooner, and now they get even better with Timo Meyer, and they get it done without the contract extension. I think that's the biggest thing that kind of caught my attention. If you're going to make a deal for Timo Meyer and give up the package that uh, looks like they're going to give up, you're going to get some sort of extension there, but uh, they felt comfortable enough to, to finish the deal uh, without that, so obviously they feel pretty good about the framework they have in place to get a deal done later on. So a uh, big move for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, this is a question that was sent to me by a, a loyal listener of the program and a, and a huge Blues fan, and I'm going to uh, ask said query. Looking at the situation, I guess, from the end of the week, and that's uh, talking about the back and forth between Ruby and Thomas and Cairo and Torbchenko's comments. I, I am reminded that an explanation for Alexandrov, neighbors, and other prospects staying in the NHL earlier this year was that they were better off outside of the situation in St. Louis. Was that because of the standard stressors related to an underperforming team, or was it a suggestion that there was really something wrong in the room all season? Yeah, I think if we're looking at the situation, honestly, I, I think that you know, there was a chemistry in the room that probably uh, Doug Armstrong uh, was aware of and probably didn't want young players to be around. How 
much, you know, you talk about percentages, how big of a percentage was that? You know, I'm not yeah. so sure. I think, I think it was more so what Doug actually came out and said is that the team wasn't playing well and you're going to put these young players who are trying to find their find their feet and get into the NHL and get into uh, the Blues organization and now you're putting them into a situation where the team just isn't playing well. So I, I think that's the that's what he was looking at mostly. But yeah, I think everybody's been aware that from the get go it just hasn't been a great situation within the room and you know, people are asking, Okay, well what's the issue there? Well you had Tarasenko kinda of on an island. He knows uh, he's halfway out the door, right? And then uh, you know, there's some other situations. So I think that uh, Doug Armstrong probably did the best thing at the time, but now you get past this trade deadline, Tim, and uh, you're going to have to play some of these young players. Jake Neighbors is hurt, so he's going to be out for a while. Uh, but I think once they get the roster solidified uh, come this weekend, you got to look at those last uh, 15, 18 games as a situation to, to get more players, uh, young players, some playing time. Any reading between the lines for you on Doug Armstrong's comments on uh, on Friday? Which one's uh Specifically, are well, we talking I mean, about? I, I had a, a variety of people say that they did not get the same sense of support for Craig Berube that they got early on in the season when he did his first kind of State of the Union. Um, now, I, I suppose before you answer that, what I would say in that situation is one of the reasons why I think he spoke back when he did was because there was a bunch of attention on, oh, maybe the Blues are going to fire Craig Berube, and the only person who's been talking really is Craig Berube. And so he felt like he wanted to put that out right away and also let the media hear from somebody different. So this is a this is a bit of a different set of circumstances. But with that said, did you read anything on that on, on Friday with Armstrong? I did not. Uh, I was standing there, and I was there for the whatever it was, eight or ten minutes with Doug Armstrong, and I don't think that Craig Bruby was asked about specifically, and I'm not saying that you're insinuating that, but, uh, you know, anything that I got about Craig Bruby out of that ten minutes with Doug Armstrong was that he felt that uh, Bruby and Torpchenko spoke with raw emotion, and I didn't feel like Doug Armstrong was, you know, chastising or are upset with Berube. He just felt that that was part of being a coach and being at the podium 10 minutes after the game and saying what he said. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in terms of, you know, re- reading between the lines and is this a situation where, you know, now months have passed and now it is a situation where they examine the coach and see if they want to move forward with him. I didn't get that out of the 10 minutes with uh, Doug Armstrong. Uh, I don't know exactly. I must have missed something here. Rutherford can't drop the quote, other situations comment, not elaborate. Come on. That's from Sharon. Sharon's had enough. Uh, could you elaborate on other situations? Well, you just have the situations with the, the contracts with uh, Kyrou and Thomas, and we've talked about that. That's kind of why I glossed over it this time is because we brought it up a few times. So you have a situation where there's other guys who'd like to stay here in St. Louis and you know, like a Ryan O'Reilly and continue on, and all of a sudden two guys, 23, 24, got $8 million a year ahead of time. And, and uh, you know, uh, you, you look at uh, some of the work from these young players and have they established themselves yet? No, but Doug's doing the prudent thing by getting them on the books uh, before they have a chance to you know do something like Matthew Kachuk did so I think that was an issue early on in the season and then like if we're being totally honest like uh, Jordan Bennington is a guy who 
he's in the locker room and he, he's always giving it his all and he's emotional. Does that rub off wrong on some of the, the players in the locker room? It, it, it can at times. So I think you're looking at two or three, four different issues when you talk about that locker room chemistry and, uh, you know, just to touch on a few of them there. Jeremy Rutherford here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura every Monday. And then when there's emergency sessions, he just comes in the studio and, and breaks it down. So we are grateful for that. JR, thank you so much for your time as always, sir. All right, thanks, boys. There thanks, is Jeremy Rutherford brought to you here on 101 ESPN's Munganess, St. Louis Acura Balloon Party. We'll take a commercial break, and then we have this Little Piddles weekend wrap-up roundup. Why? I think I call it the Wicked and Wild oh, weekend wow. wrap-up. Wow. Uh, that's coming up on the other side of the break. I'm Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN.